This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you being empowered with knowledge so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com, that's our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day. So each and every day, when I'm about on radio, on TV, on our podcast, on our various websites, with our newsletters, everything we're about is focused on you and giving you knowledge that will empower you and give you more control over your life and your wallet. So it's really important to me that the information I give you is rock solid. But if you feel that your faith in me is crumbling right before your eyes, I need to hear from you. If you feel like I'm giving bad guidance, bad advice, whatever, I want you to go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks message board, and tell me where I've come up short. Uh, Then Krista each week goes through your posts on Clark Stinks, and shares her favorites right here. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, I'm going to start with a selection, meaning two, of the weekly cryptocurrency posts. Oh, man. Missed an annual Clark deal-worthy opportunity. As it happened the last three years, 24-ish days before Chinese Lunar New Year, the cryptocurrency market dropped big time. In three and a half days, the market cap has gone from $425 to $625 billion. This was a guarantee, so it's unfortunately a missed opportunity for everyone to spend less and save more. With tons of efforts from around the world to utilize the blockchain technology, it should still continue to go up. Martin. You want to read the other one first? Sure. There is a lot of paranoia at the time of this post over the price drop of cryptocurrency, but I think that's the wrong direction to look at this innovative protocol. Who cares if it costs a significant amount of fiat currency? Since there's a limited amount of cryptocurrency to be mined slash discovered, this makes the value increased. Plus, many agree to accept this new currency for transactions. For the libertarian side of Clark, cryptocurrency is untraceable to governments, being a benefit to those who want to make transactions while under oppressive regimes. I agree with Clark that cryptocurrency is not an investment, but it is a protocol that is here to stay, especially with low fees for transactions. I appreciate those two posts, both of you taking the time to write I will tell you that not a day goes by in my life that someone doesn't come up and ask me about cryptocurrencies. We were on a family reunion trip in December, and everywhere I went, people were asking me about cryptocurrencies. We were on a cruise, and I was in Jamaica in the port, and a Jamaican who recognized me from TV came up to talk to me 
about cryptocurrency. I mean, it is really front of mind with so many people. So without digging too deep here, because it's come up so much on the show, I believe very much in blockchain and what it represents as a way to reduce friction and the ability to move money from one part of Earth to another. What I have not been willing to accept is that cryptocurrencies themselves are ready for prime time because they are a speculative activity right now. They are not an investment. Eventually, there may be alternative non-governmental money, if you will, that is a routine form of payment, but we're not there yet because the enormous moves in price day-to-day is the sign of an immature market that is not established yet. So if you want to take money that you won't lose any sleep over if you lose and put it in a cryptocurrency, be my guest. But never bet money that you really need on something that is in a speculative window. And that's where cryptocurrencies are right now. Clark, my wife and I are 43 years old and have a $1.5 million net worth. Fantastic. I was shocked the other day when a caller called that was about the same age, and you said he needed $2.5 million to retire. His income was around $100K, and you said he needed 25 times that. We make about 140000 a year, but only spend about 25 k a year. Are you saying we need $3.5 million to retire now? Please explain. Brilliantly written. So remember, you have inflation that's going to occur over the years till the caller has had enough money put aside to be fully secure. And the fact that you're living on, gosh, you're living on 15 cents of every dollar you make, you are a max saver. You're going to be fine. I'm not worried about you. You could probably quit saving now, quit working now. But for the typical person, you need to have 25 times your income saved in order to live securely in retirement. I didn't get into the full ravages of inflation with our caller. I was so proud of our caller and how much our caller had saved. And now I'm beyond amazed at how little you're living on and how much you're saving because you're putting all the blocks in place to have complete financial security pretty much at whatever time you would bag work. So if you're at 25 times what you spend each year, gosh, maybe you could quit right now. Military BRS for Reserve and National Guard. Dear Clark, I appreciate your advice on the show, and a few of us even compare notes from your show during break time. But I was extremely disappointed not to hear any mention of advice for those in the reserve component. As an Air Force reservist, the numbers make the blended retirement system a bad deal for almost all reservists, especially for the enlisted ranks. In my personal case, I would be giving up 20% of my military pension, my gain, an astonishing $250 worth of agency match per year. Better off looking at my budget to come up with with that, and just in case I do decide to serve until retirement. Please, please, please bring this up soon before anyone makes a regrettable decision. Keep up the good work, Clark. Sincerely, Charles. Charles, first, thank you so much for your service to our great country. Second, there 
is a lot of information available for you and your fellow brave men and women serving our country in the U.S. military, either in the reserves or active duty. And the blended retirement system is what you're referring to that I talked about briefly on the show because, uh, let's face it, the military burden in our country is not shared equally. Very few people sacrifice over and over again for our freedom. But both Military Times and USAA have done very good jobs explaining how the new system works in more depth than I could do on the air. And the the Defense Department has done an explanation as well, but I much prefer the information being supplied by Military Times and USAA. This is a decision you need to understand thoroughly about the options available for people who've been in after a certain period of time who are able to choose whether to be in the traditional military retirement system or a new version of the TSP for military personnel. And for most people, the decisions are pretty clear-cut, but for reservists in particular, the decision is far more complicated. Dear Clark, I love listening to your show and have learned a lot of great things from you. However, sometimes you're misinformed when it comes to the healthcare world. I'm a resident physician in my last year of training in family medicine. While it's true that there is no federal rule forcing us to send electronic prescriptions, there are federal guidelines that encourage us to do so over traditional writing prescriptions. With the new rules, physicians stand to lose significant pay cuts, even if they did the work if they do not meet certain tar- quality target quality assurance numbers. One of these includes sending prescriptions electronically. So while it should be okay for a very few number of patients to request paper prescriptions, if everyone started asking for that in a practice, the physician would not be able to comply and still satisfy the federal government. Also, there are no special pads for controlled substances versus regular medications. It's just that controlled substances must be on a paper prescription and cannot be sent electronically. Thanks for all you do, Dr. Stuckey. Dr. Stuckey, thank you for your post. All right. So several things here. First, there are now uh, certain physicians that are able to send controlled substance prescriptions electronically. And I don't want to get too into the full details on that, particularly since I'm not a doctor and I'm not a pharmacist, but there now are some who can send those electronically. Second, There are, and it may be by a a doctor's choice, there are doctors using two different style prescription pads, one for controlled substances and one for uh, prescriptions that are not controlled substances. That may be a doctor's choice to do that and may not be required in any way. The third thing on the handwritten prescriptions, that was an unusual circumstance where someone was having a problem with prescriptions being electronically transmitted to the wrong pharmacy and getting that corrected electronically is very hard. That problem doesn't exist when it involves a paper prescription. That's the story on that. And I appreciate you being willing to devote your life to the health and well-being of others. So if you want to post in Clark Stinks, here's what you do. You go to Clark.com. 
And then you look at the top of our menu across the top of the page. It says connect. And then you click on message boards. Clark Stinks is a message board. I know a lot of sites don't have those anymore, but but we still do. And we have a very active community and lots of other message boards where you can help each other. We have cars. I mean, everything you can think of. The whole idea of what we're about is I'm not to be the last word. We all learn together. We all help each other. There's enough in life where people are throwing slings and arrows at each other, verbal slings and arrows. That's not our deal. Our deal is a safe zone to provide service, to empower each other. And you help me do a better job when you post on Clark Stinks, and I really appreciate it. Don is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Don, you're interested in following something out of my distant past and becoming a travel agent. I am, Clark. First, thanks for taking my call, and thanks for the years of wisdom you've given me. Well, you're kind to say that. So do you know I was an agent back when you bought transportation on the backs of dinosaurs? That's how old (laughs) I am. That wasn't that long ago. No, no, I know you got your, a long time ago, got your start. I've heard you talk about it a lot. So that's why I figured you're the best expert to ask about uh, what to do to get into the industry. Um, there, I've been doing research and um, just curious what's, what's out there that's smart to do and not smart to do. All right. So the, the standard that really is the one that's looked at with respect is becoming a certified travel counselor. Have you seen that in your research? I have. I've seen that a little bit in the research, right. So that is the that is the standard because anybody today could go out and call himself or herself a travel agent. Now, actually being an appointed agent is an industry thing where you're appointed to issue tickets for the airlines, you're appointed to book cruises through CLIA for cruises. There are different things that make you under the law an agent but as far as what it means to be what the public perceives as a travel agent any of us could today say we were one but the the key is the training where you actually uh, know what you're doing and how to really expertly serve someone and how how do you know with the training what's legitimate and you know good and uh, right priced and what's uh, not so good All right so here's my suggestion and this is going to sound so lame but let me tell you it's the right way to do this is you look for people in your area who are uh, CTC certified travel counselors and ask them if you can talk to them for advice about what the right way is to become a travel agent and what path they would recommend and if you talk to three or four ctc level people you'll have a consensus after you've talked to several what is the best path today in your area to become properly trained to be a, a good travel agent to serve people you know if you go right. back in the heyday of travel agencies There were travel agent schools all over America. But as uh, the number of travel agencies in the United States went through a period where most of them closed, that as a a school environment ceased in much of the country. And that's why you really need to get a clear path. You need the guidance of 
people that have been at it and are at the level of expertise that is recognized in the industry. And, and do you think that, you know, 10 years ago, it was like travel agents were going to die, and it seems like they've come back. They have come back because for people who are looking to, let's say, book a honeymoon, or people that are looking to book a complicated corporate itinerary, it's too hard for people to, to try to do that themselves, usually. And so that has created both a new level of professionalism among the agents that remain or are coming into the industry, and it has created a respect for people in the industry that really hadn't been there before. I guess it's good that not everybody just goes where there's some cheap fare, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Completely right. And so it's about uh, so much about what level of expertise you'd get would depend on what part of travel you're most interested in serving people by helping them uh, go have the experience of a lifetime or making sure that their travel for business goes off without a lot of drama or trauma. So talk to some CTCs near where you live. You'll know the right way to proceed in your area. I'm so glad you've taken time to join us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can make great financial decisions. I hope that you get advice from me that will help you keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I want to talk to you about something that has been not always the clearest answer that I've given over the years out of necessity. And that is when people ask me where they work, they now uh, far more have a choice between if they are offered a retirement plan at work, a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k, or if you work for the federal government, a traditional TSP or a Roth TSP. And in the past, I've had to give several caveats to the advice about which you should do. When someone's trying to decide between opening an IRA or a Roth IRA, there's been like a checklist of things I've told you. And I've said generally that I prefer that you do the Roth flavor of the version of retirement account you're doing, but the answer for each individual could tilt back to doing traditional. Now I can tell you because of the new tax law that's gone into effect for 2018 taxes that there's a much stronger case for the overwhelming percent of us as income earners, taxpayers, to do the Roth flavor of the retirement plan choice you're offered at work or you do on your own choosing the Roth IRA over the regular. And I want to lay this out for you, and then I'll give you the exception to the rule, if you don't mind. So the Roth IRA, the Roth TSP, the Roth 401k, with these, you get no upfront tax benefit for putting money into your retirement account. Instead, what you get is you get the benefit decades down the road that when you go to spend the money from your Roth-flavored account, you spend the money 
tax-free. Where with a traditional IRA, TSP, or 401k, 403b, every penny you have in your account is taxed because you got an upfront tax benefit and so everything you have in there is taxed later on. So the tax rates we have for many taxpayers, not everybody, but for many, will be lower for the next few years. And then the provisions that govern the individual income tax rates expire and who knows if they'll be extended. So you can only deal with the information today. Plus, in the future, we have a, a something very pointy-headed, but there's a calculation of what income of yours will be subject to tax that will creep up on you and push you into higher tax rates in a few years, known as chained CPI. And that is really something for someone to learn about and fall asleep in economics class in college. But the point is, there was manipulation done by the Congress to make tax rates seem better right now and then have that boomerang with more ugly taxes in the future on individuals. So who knows what a future Congress will do. But also, because the huge corporate tax cuts, budget deficits are going to go up a lot. So where does that all fit into your retirement? The odds are high that because of the larger budget deficits and also the things already baked in facing individuals, that tax rates will be higher in the future, not lower, And that was already more likely because of an aging population, an aging workforce, and an increasing number of retirees we have to pay for for Medicare and Social Security. So there's now tons of reasons why it makes more sense to do the Roth flavor retirement account than traditional. Now remember I said there's one tiny exception that will affect a small number of people. The way the new tax brackets are set up, there are, I don't know if it's going to be like 5% of workers or something like that, that stand the risk of being pushed into a big jump in tax rates on income beyond a certain level that would make it valuable for you right now to do a regular IRA, a regular 401k, a regular TSP or whatever. But that's the kind of situation and one that hopefully you're getting professional tax help for your personal situation anyway. But as an overall rule, the gray is gone and the choice of doing a Roth retirement account versus traditional is almost certainly the right option. And by the way, all this I just said, it's general guidance and advice. There will always be situations that will pop up. You'll hear me when I answer an individual call. There will be an exception to what I just laid out. Kenzie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kenzie. Hi. 
Kenzie, how may I serve you? Um, well, so we went in to see um, how much we would get approved for for a house loan. Um, we actually got denied as a couple, and I would have to do it individually because um, when my fiancé was in the service, his mom actually opened up credit cards in his name, didn't pay them back, and now he has really bad credit. Oh, my goodness. I am so sorry. What is is your fiancé's relationship with his mom like now? Not good. So there's no question about if we have to move forward with filing a police report, we can do that. We just, we've called the credit card companies and the credit card companies have said all the accounts are closed. There's a total of three of them um, and that there's really nothing we can do. That is not true. They lied to you. Okay. So there's a, there's an assumption of, let's say, shared responsibility or guilt or whatever on the part of your fiancé when accounts are opened by a relative. It's one of the ugliest forms of identity theft. And so he has to go additional steps beyond what someone would have to do if it was stranger on stranger identity theft. Exactly. Because it's his mom... You do have to do just what you said. He's got to go file a police report, say he's found out, just found out that that his mom opened these accounts illegally, committed identity theft, and be willing to file police reports and be willing, if necessary, and this is where it gets really sad, but if necessary, ultimately testify against her if there was ever a criminal prosecution. Okay. Now, my question would be, going through that whole legal process, is it worth the cost of paying legal fees to actually get this credit removed? Or no, 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 no. You don't, you don't pay any legal fees for this. Okay. You're going, you're filing a police report. You, get a, you can get a copy of the police report after a certain number of days, depending on the jurisdiction. He will then have to file affidavits with the three credit card companies. Okay. The, the affidavits, and he's uh, basically swearing under the force of law that he had no knowledge that these were fraudulent accounts. He includes a copy of the police reports, and he is a victim of a crime. Okay. Usually these crimes are ones that the victim loses on because they're not willing to go that step of exposing a relative, a loved one, to the possibility of prosecution. But then, in turn, his credibility skyrockets when he's willing to do that and do the affidavits, provide the police report, and then the credit card companies need to remove these items from the collection agencies and from the report. Okay. That was my question. Even if it got to the collection agency, would there's like they still can be removed off of his credit report through a hundred percent because okay. this is this was a fraudulent action, and he is an innocent victim. And let me tell you something: he is as much an innocent victim unless he acquiesced to his mom's bad behavior. He is as much an innocent victim as any other victim of identity theft. Okay. But the credibility always rests on him being willing to go to that step of filing the police report 
and creating exposure for his mom. And I'll tell you, if his mom did this to to your fiance, your son, while he's off fighting for our freedom, who knows who else and what else his mom is doing to harm other people by committing yeah. fraud and and criminal offenses. Yeah, and I agree. It was just one of those things where, you know, he's been in the service for four years and then this happens and we don't find out until, you know, we go try buying a house and then we get denied a loan and it's just... Well, that's why that's why he's got to decide, is he going all in? And you say yes, he may have trouble doing that Yeah. about yeah. his mom. But if he's willing to do that, that's important on multiple levels because these accounts are open as if they're him... He could end up being sued against them. Okay. So he's, he, if he's willing to, he needs to take a stand. Now, if he does all that, the collection agencies don't just roll over and say, oh, okay. So he may have to, as a step, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but he may have to next send demands to the collection agencies okay. to remove the items. But he's got to do the police report and all that first. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, that was our big concern as just after calling these collection agencies and the credit cards, they're saying that there's nothing they can do. And we're like, well, we know that's not the case. We just don't know our course of action. So, Well, I've given you some tools here and do not give up. I mean, uh, this, is, this is a wrong that's been done to him and he needs to go through the process to set it right. Okay. And is well, he a great so guy? Much. Yes. <laughs> so think about that. You know, we all are influenced and turn out based on our parents or we overcome them if we have parents that are on a bad path and you found one who's able to overcome adversity and a bad parental example and I hope that everything he sticks to and everything works out fine. Julie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Julie. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Julie. You got a question for me about your credit cards and money you've saved for your future, and how do they meet? Right. So last week I heard you talking to someone who doesn't have credit card debt and telling him that one of um, his investments should be uh, a Roth IRA because if there was an emergency, he might he could withdraw the contributions he had made without penalty. Is that correct? That is correct. So my question is, does excessive credit card debt constitute an emergency? Because we've gotten, we've had some unexpected other expenses besides the credit cards and having to take on some car loans we didn't have and are now having a hard time paying back the credit cards. Um, And it's just, it's starting to get really overwhelming, all the debt that we have. We're still paying student loan and things like that. So... All right. What I just heard from you in about 40 seconds is a perfect path I can give you. And that is before you even consider taking contributions out of a Roth and using them to extinguish the credit card debt, I heard too many danger signs there. You were, you were, you were even shallow breathing talking about the financial burdens you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk with you straight ahead about how I want you to proceed with this because I want to make sure that you get rid of that feeling of shallow breathing and feeling overwhelmed, okay? Okay. So we're going to do that straight ahead. 
Julie is with us here on the Clark Howard Show. If you're just tuning in, Julie was telling me a moment ago about issues you're facing with a credit card debt problem, having suddenly car loans that you didn't anticipate being in your life, student loans, you're feeling 100% overwhelmed. Yeah. So I want to suggest something to you. There's a group called the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, and I want you to fill out their paper, find a local chapter, fill out their paperwork, and you, you said we, so you and your husband? Yes. For the two of you to go in and sit down with a financial counselor who works with people that are feeling overwhelmed by debts and come up with a plan to how to get those under control. Because what I heard from you and for people who just tuned in, you were talking about uh, the strategy I've talked about of using your contributions to a Roth, which you can use tax and penalty free to attack the debt that you have on the credit cards. But I hear a wider thing. I don't want you to do that and then still feel the sense that you feel of being overwhelmed. Do you think your husband would be willing to go with you to sit down and talk with someone? Probably. It's uh, usually free, or if not, it's a token amount for you to sit down and talk with a budget counselor, a debt counselor. And Mm -hmm. the organization I mentioned, nfcc.org, they have affiliates all over the country. They're the legit deal. And I really think it would help with that angst I heard in you. I don't like to hear that angst, Julie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we, we started out in a place where we weren't really working together, which is part of how we got the credit card debt. And we've kind of come forward from that. We're working together again. But in the meantime, we both were in cars that were paid for. We both got in accidents um, where our cars were totaled. My goodness. And so all of a sudden we wanted safe cars because we have kids, which are a little more expensive. And, um, you know, the insurance, of course, went up. Yeah, so you're wheezing. You're wheezing financially. We weren't being able to make the payments on the credit cards anymore. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. We're not delinquent on anything. We're keeping up, but we're not getting ahead. Right, and that's why you just reinforce there my complete feeling about NFCC. I'd love it after you sit down and go through the NFCC process. Please call me back. And let's move on to what they've recommended and how best to implement it next. Want to hear back from you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and travel escape sign up now you'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think i'm wasting your time go to clark.com newsletters